Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. The top of the morning to you. Welcome to It's a Good Life. I'm Brian Buffini, and I'm going to talk to you about a drink today. A drink that, uh, instead of giving you a hangover, this is a drink that can actually help you live the good life. And it's inspired by a recent trip I took with the family, went out to Hawaii. We go to the Big Island. I've talked about that many times. We go to a number of different places out in the Big Island. But one of my favorite places to eat is a restaurant called Brown's Restaurant. And it's at the Fairmont Orchid on the Big Island. And it's just fabulous. Outdoor restaurant overlooking the Pacific. There's a little black sand beach there where at nighttime the green turtles come up. So you might have anywhere from five to six to seven of these turtles just laying on the sand. They've got the Hawaiian music playing. It's 80 degrees. You got the Pacific Ocean breezes. You're about to eat great food. You know, it's it's the good life personified. I'm not the biggest of drinkers, uh, even though I'm an Irishman. But once in a while, I'm in that environment, I get a drink. And so I got a Mai Tai. And the great news is when you go for a good experience, you can get something great when you're in a great place. And so the waiter brought me a Mai Tai, and it was awesome. So it was just perfect. It was a great setting. I'm with my family. Life is good. Couldn't be better. And of course, I asked the waiter a question because I'm naturally a curious fellow. And I said to him, what's in a Mai Tai? I mean, I've been drinking those in a way for 30 years or more. Like, what's actually in one? And he went on to describe the seven ingredients in a Mai Tai. And I was shocked. I thought maybe there was three ingredients, but there were seven. And it was pineapple juice and lime juice. He had white rum, orange liqueur, a tablespoon of syrup, a tablespoon of cherry juice, and a tablespoon of dark rum. And I'm like, my goodness. And then we had a little, you know, whatever, a little umbrella or whatever the heck was in it and a bit of fruit. And I'm thinking to myself, that is pretty complicated. I pretty complicated. I mean, no wonder this tastes great. I've had bad Mai Tais, but this was great. And I thought, there's seven ingredients to a Mai Tai. And as I was sitting there relaxing, as I'm prone to do, the mind wandered back to what I do and people I'm trying to help and all of you folks who are listening into this podcast. And I thought, what if there was a cocktail for successful thinking? So if there was a a cocktail, a set of ingredients for thinking successfully, what would the ingredients be? And again, we talk about it's a good life where we want to help entrepreneurs think better, feel better, and do better. So it's one of the three. And so as I started to think it through, and I just, the next day I'm up on the balcony with my bride and we're just reading and talking. I started making some notes and this train of thought kept coming back to me. And I thought, if I was helping younger people think right so they could be successful, what were the ingredients I gave them? And I wrote down a bunch of stuff. But when I really got down to it, there wasn't seven and there wasn't five. There was three ingredients, which is kind of nice because I only ever have three points on a podcast. And so I'm going to share it with you guys. And I don't do this very often. This is not just, hey, your man had a drink. He's on vacation, came up with a podcast. Now he's going to give us 28 minutes of drivel on whatever's on the top of his mind. For 26 years, I've been running the largest business coaching company in the world. I'm a guy who came to this country with 92 bucks in my wallet and had a very serious motorcycle accident. I was 250 grand in debt as a kid, 7,000 miles away from my home, from parents that had no money. It's that journey of success and change in my own life and change in my own thinking that produced all of these results. And as a company itself, observing the tens of thousands of people we've coached over the years, What are the things that make people successful and what are the things that leave people stuck? Why do people not get it? Why do people get it? Who are the ones who succeed and who are the ones who don't? And success leaves clues and success leaves clues that are patterns. 
I'll share this with you to start with, because I typically like to build out the problem before we have a solution, right? You, you need to know there's a virus before you have a vaccine. And I, as many people as I've seen succeed, I've also seen a lot of people not succeed. Thousands of people who've not succeeded. I've talked about people who've come to me directly for help. I've given them a book or sent them in a certain direction or so on and so forth and seen them not succeed. So I'm going to give you the ingredients to start with of the cocktail that always fails. The failure cocktail. And it's in this order. It's pride, ignorance, and I'll do it myself thinking. Pride, ignorance, and I'll do it myself thinking. That is a bitter pill. That is a bitter cocktail. That is not Browns. That's not the Mai Tai. That's not, hey, here's the good life. It's kind of like, here's the failure life. Here's the frustration. And I know that's no longer politically correct, but there are people in this life who are successes and there are people in this life who are failures. They've failed repeatedly in their relationships. They fail in their health. They fail in their finances. And people themselves know if they're failing. Now, I happen to believe the hope I have for people is that you're not a failure until you're in the pine box. Hope exists for everybody. And it doesn't matter what age you are or where you are in your life, that you can always turn things around. You can always succeed and you can always prevail at any age. And there's many, 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 many examples of that throughout life where people at the, near the end of their life turn it around. So failure is an event. It's not a person. However, many people are cloaked in failure and they have patterns of failure and they're drinking the cocktail of failure every day. And the more they struggle, the more prideful they become. The more they struggle, the less interested they are and they stay ignorant. Um, they miss out on opportunities where someone's walking by or they're having lunch with someone who has information that could change their business, life, finances, health, anything. And they just don't even, they're not even open to it. I call it the Darth Vader thinking, I'll do it myself. And I always liken this. My kids are all big Star Wars fans. And the, the, the scene in the very first Star Wars uh, where Luke Skywalker's going down, he's trying to blow up the Death Star, and Darth Vader comes up behind him. And he goes, I'll take him myself. And Darth Vader, with all his powers and all his effort and all his force and all the things that he knows how to do, he can't take Luke by himself. Why? Because Luke has a friend. Because Luke has a pal. Someone on a journey with him, which is what we all need. And Darth Vader ends up, boom, he gets spun out. Luke blows up the ship. Next thing you know, George Lucas is a billionaire because he has a great movie on his hands. Pride, ignorance, I'll do it myself. All of us have that. All of us sip from that cocktail once in a while. So what I want to do right now is I want to introduce you to the success cocktail. And this cocktail will get you to the right place. And there's no hangover with this sucker at all. And it's pretty cheap. Doesn't even cost a lot of money. So there's three ingredients, as there always is. The first one is called humility. And when I give a list, I always give a list in order priority. The very first character quality application mindset to have for success is humility. I'll talk about that. The second one for, for successful thinking now is curiosity. I, I'm going to do podcasts in the future on success habits and what are the things, the work ethic and the time management and the, all those things that are technical things to acquire. But humility is the first. Curiosity is the second. And the third might be a bit strange for you. It's the ability to receive help. So not only do we have, I'll do it myself, but it's kind of like, leave me alone, or I'm not even open to receive help. So humility, curiosity, the ability to receive help. That is the cocktail that will put a lot of Mai Tais in your hand. So let's talk about it. Humility. Humility, by definition, is a modest and unassuming view of one's own importance. I love that. A modest and unassuming view of one's own importance. Now, that is very countercultural to the world we live in today. 
Social media has produced a culture that is braggadocious. You know, people are trying to give an image of their best life. Here's the best meal and the best thing and the best body and the best that. So you have that on the showboat side. And then on the other side, you have the people who respond to it, which are not only the snarky trolls, as they call them, but they're also now automated. And we have bots and uh, the Russian hackers or whatever else, that many of the negative comments on social media are actually computer generated, which are designed in themselves to create a form of clickbait. It's kind of all crazy when you think about it. And so what are the elements in, in regards to humility? Well, here's the first thing. Humble pie is the pastry that's never tasty. I am naturally not a humble person. I, you know, I'm just not. I'm not the biggest braggart of all time, but I'm just not a naturally humble person. But business and life has humbled me many, many times. And when you get humbled, you have a decision to make. You either get bitter or better. You have life turn upside down. Your house burns down. Your business fails. Your health gets bad news. You have relationships that go sideways. You have a choice to make. And these are, these are the choices. Which cocktail am I going to have? Am I going to have the good life cocktail or am I going to have the failure cocktail? And you either get bitter or you get better. You either blame other people or you get on the job of owning what you need to own and moving forward. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Which, by the way, I, one of the applications of this is when I find myself helping other people, I get my eyes off my own problem and onto someone else. And so we stop the navel gazing that we end up doing and being a little too caught up in ourselves. So humble pie is not tasty. It's not something I ever want. But I came to understand in my own life that I'm either going to be humble or get humbled. Be humble or get humbled. So after being humbled so many times, and I've been humbled in every area of my life, I've been flying high in April, shot down in May, as Frank Sinatra said. I've had businesses that have won magnificently, and I've had businesses that fail. I have financial wins, financial losses. And what I've always found at the end of it is once you get past the emotion of it, once you get past the feeling of it, once you get past the struggle of it, and everybody's human, okay? And I don't fail quietly. I'm like, but at the end of the day, I'll always get to that place, okay. What do I need to own? What part of this do I need to own? What do I need to learn from this? I had a business fail. I've, you know, I've had pretty good success. I've had 47 businesses, but I had one fail. And my mentor, Gene Kuhlman, said to me, all right, Brian, you lost $2.7 million. You've been to a $2.7 million seminar. What are you going to do with the information? So humble pie is not tasty, but can lead to a fabulous situation, which is this. The second point I want to make about humility is that humility is the foundation for all growth. Now, the Greek word humus, which is what we use for topsoil, is the root word for where the word humility comes from, right? So English is a language that comes from all these other languages, and Greek is hugely influential. And so the word humus is, is, the, word that is the root word for humility, but it's also a, a word that we use to describe a soil. It's the most fertile soil in the farmlands. Now, where does the humus reside? So imagine now you look at this hard pan, and six to nine inches below is the humus soil. So what happens is the rain comes and it washes all the nutrients down. And often this is a darker and richer soil because all the nutrients are in the soil. So why does a farmer plow his field? Now, 100 years ago, I wouldn't have to explain this to anybody because everybody was agrarian. But now we all live in cities and, and we don't have much exposure to it. So a farmer comes along with a plow and the plow is a blade that digs into the ground six to nine inches and then it has a turn on it and it turns the soil so that the soil that's on the bottom comes to the top. The humus 
soil, that's the richest soil for growing, that's dug upside down, and the hard soil that's been through all the weathering and all the difficulty, that goes to the bottom. So then when a farmer plants the seeds, waters and fertilizes the humus soil, those seeds just grow, and you end up having a great harvest. Well, all growth is like that. In life, that happens. Sometimes your heart gets a little hard because you've had disappointments, hurts, and pains. You've tried things and failed. You've set goals and missed them. You had your hopes up, you had your hopes dashed. So what happens is we get a little beat up, weathered. And sometimes it feels like life is turned upside down, like a blade's gone through your heart or mind or through your circumstances and turned your life. You ever heard the phrase, life's upside down? Well, when life's upside down, that's not the time to panic. That's the time to grow because that humus is there. And I've talked about the good life, that it's not always a great life. It's not always an awesome life. It's a good life. And talk about Thomas Keating where he says, somewhere inside the grace of God, there's a place for suffering. That suffering creates the humility which sets up the opportunity for growth. Setbacks, difficulties. That's where I've learned the most. We all have. The truth of the matter is we become the people we are because of the adversities we face and the things we've had to struggle through. What our generation and beyond struggles with is we try to avoid our kids having any adversity, even though the adversities were the things that made us. The fact of the matter is those setbacks, those difficulties, those disappointments, if embraced right, are the foundation for growth in the future. It's the humus soil. It's like miracle grow and miracle grow for a person. And then here's the last thing. So we have humble pie. We have humus is the foundation for growth. But feedback, feedback is not failure. Okay, feedback is just feedback. Sometimes you get feedback from the market. Sometimes you get feedback from people. You get feedback from experiences. And again, feedback does not define you. The failures does not define you. It's just feedback. Bill Gates said, we all need people who give us feedback. That's how we improve. He's, he's done well. Another fellow who's done well, Elon Musk says, it's very important to have a feedback loop. We are constantly thinking about what you've done and how it could be better in all aspects of life. Stephen Covey, good friend, said before he passed, takes humility to receive feedback. So he combined both together. In order to receive feedback, it takes a little humility. Then he said it takes wisdom to understand the feedback, analyze it, and then ultimately act on it. It takes humility to receive it, takes wisdom to understand it and analyze it, and then ultimately you got to act on it. So if I'm describing for you today the first major ingredient, like rum is the most important ingredient in a Mai Tai, and the most important ingredient for successful thinking is humility. The second ingredient in the, the Brai Tai, <laughs> the success cocktail, is curiosity. Now, there's an old phrase that says, curiosity killed a cat. But I'm going to say this, it's a lack of curiosity that kills ideas and openness. Curiosity, by definition, is a strong desire to know or learn something. Now, I have a fascinating observation between my generation and beyond and interacting with a lot of millennials and Gen Zers. And it happens many times a day in my own home. During the course of conversation, something will come up and I'll say, Google that, to which my kids will look at me, raise their eyebrows and go, Dad, only people your age Google things. And it does seem true, the more I sign, that's not just going on in my house, that's going on all over the place. The people my age are fascinated by the fact that we can find out all this information. Because we used to not be able to find out this stuff at all. We had to go through the Encyclopedia Britannica. Or we would have conversations in debate about things that could be easily struggled. I will say this, growing up in Ireland in a pub, 70% of the conversations that I grew up with could be dispelled by Google. Charlie Flaherty scored more goals for Ireland than any man who ever played for Ireland. Google it. No, Charlie was the number three. Now, there was a great joy in that because we'd beat the heck out of one another arguing these points. And 
drinking Guinness, but the fact of the matter is people of my age are just fascinated that we can find out all this information. And yet a lot of younger people who've grown up with all the technology, unlimited internet. I mean, they're not even aware there was a life before the internet. Like, was there even a world before the internet? Imagine, it was in the 90s. Netscape, and it all went live. I think it was 1994 or whatever. The fact of the matter is, young people today have no concept of that. So they've just grown up with it. They've grown up with their phones. They've grown up with whatever they want to do. And they've also learned, they're so overwhelmed by it, they kind of tune a lot of it out. But in addition to tuning stuff out, one of the things that's happened is they're tuning out curiosity. And I see this a lot. I I don't want to be grandpa here shouting, you know, the music's too loud and get off my lawn. But it's one of the key ingredients for success. And I believe when if younger people listening to this podcast, they can say, hang on a second here. I want to be successful. I want to stand out amongst the competition. I want to do better, grow, become successful economically in other areas. That curiosity is one of the things I can turn on. Yeah, it is. And your curiosity is answered quicker and in many cases more effectively today than ever before. Einstein said this, that the mind opens up to a new idea. It never returns to its original size. So the mind that opens up to a new idea never returns to its original size. He also said, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. This is a guy who's been gone a long time, but we still talk about him today. He's one of the smartest people who ever lived. Quantum physics, all the things that Einstein brought to the world. His only talent, according to himself, was that he was passionate about curiosity. Frederick Seitz, who was the first president of Rockefeller University, said, things that people learn purely out of curiosity can have revolutionary effects on human affairs. If you look at it, that's what Elon Musk says about himself. He's just really curious. Like, why can't a car drive without having an engine? You know, without having a catalytic converter and burning oil. Why why can't it? What do we have to do? Why can't we go back to space as a private company? I mean, that's kind of -of out-of-the-box stuff. So here's the things I believe to direct it. It's like curiosity. It's like, okay, what do I do with that? So if you want to be successful, here's the things to be curious about. First, be curious about people. You know, I get this feedback all the time. And David, as we're talking here, is producing the show. When we interview whoever it is, we've interviewed all kinds of people of all kinds of shapes and sizes and levels of success. Matthew McConaughey, when he did his book, he did hundreds of interviews. And he wrote us a letter and some of that was, that was his favorite interview with a guy that's not a very famous person outside of his own niche. And people ask, say all the time, man, you're just a great interviewer. And I don't know if I'm a great interviewer or not, to be honest with you. I don't really care. What I am is very curious about people. And when people are listening to a podcast, when I'm interviewing somebody, they're hearing my level of curiosity because I want to learn from people. And I have learned from everybody. Sometimes you learn what not to do. But when I have successful people on this show, I'm genuinely curious for myself and for you, the audience. So I'm asking questions I want to know, but I'm asking them questions I think you want to know. When you become curious about people, here's what happens. I never forget, uh, I had been on the road. I'd been traveling, doing seminars. I was gone like five days. I was on East Coast time. So it was like midnight East Coast time, nine o'clock San Diego time. And I get in the door and I'm knackered. I've just traveled across the country. It's been tiring. I walk in the door and we have a couple of -of out-of-town guests who are all fired up to talk to Brian. And Beverly's looking at me. She goes, ah, these guys really want to talk to you. So I sit down. I ask a bunch of questions. I might have said two or three things. I was really tired. But I just, I asked a bunch of questions about these people. And the next day, Beverly gets an email going, your husband's the most interesting person we ever met. (laughs) All I did was ask questions. Why? Because people's favorite subject is themselves. So get people talking about themselves and learn from them. Because more is caught than taught. You'll be shocked what you can learn. So be curious about people. 
If you learn people skills, you can be successful at anything in this life. Next, be curious about your life, your own life. Be curious about your patterns, your habits, your routines. Why do I do the things I do? Why why do I do that? Why do I react that way? And as you become curious about your own life, you can make small incremental tweaks. And some great science right now in personal development showing that a 1% change over the course of a year is a 38% improvement in performance. So you can make small incremental changes in your own patterns in your own life that can improve your health, improve your finances, improve your communication, improve your personal relationships, improve your business, improve your work life, everything. And then the last part is your work life is be curious about your profession. You know, if you know everything there is to know about your work, your work will become boring and repetitious. And I just find like unleash your curiosity as opposed to making a move. You know, we just had the great resignation where 47 million people in the United States just changed jobs in the last 18 months. 70% of the people who've made the change already regret it. 80% of millennials who made the change regret making the change. I believe it's because they got bored. I believe because they felt stuck. Maybe the lockdowns, the restrictions, the work from home, whatever it was. They got bored. They made the decision. Now they have to live with the decision. I'm doing the same thing for 26 years, teaching the same system. And I'm a very creative, love the new and the next type person. So what I do is I find ways to innovate the same system, innovate the referral system, innovate building relationships, innovate growing a business, innovate how to take care of a budget and finances and so on and so forth. I teach today on the finances, but there's a whole bunch of apps that didn't exist 26 years ago. People used to have to do it in paper. So you can innovate, learn, 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 learn. And you think about the great people in sports. And how much they learn. You know, when people think about LeBron James, a basketball player, he's a physical freak. Like he's just born to be one of the most dominant athletes. He could have played probably four or five sports. But people who play against LeBron James, they go, yeah, he's a physical freak. But his knowledge of the game is what's staggering. And he continues to learn and grow, continues to get training, continues to get coaching, continues to get work on his shot. He knows the strategy of the game. He's like a coach on the court. And there's many, many examples of people who've achieved greatness just like that. So the first ingredient in the bright eye of success is humility. And the second ingredient is curiosity. And then the third one, again, it's it's an unusual one. It's the ability to receive help. Now, I always finish the podcast with a quote from my mother. And I think if you guys have heard me over the years or listened to anything at all, you know, my mother is both role model. She was my primary encourager in life, still is at 91. She's a hero of mine. I love her dearly, and she's just the greatest. Her name is Therese. She's not Mother Teresa. She had her faults too. For my whole life, mom used to love cooking. Still does. And when she's feeding you breakfast, she's talking to you about lunch. And when she's talking about lunch, she's talking about dinner. And and because she just loved to care and loved to give, that was her expression of it. And she would always have this one complaint. Because she's in the kitchen cooking all the time, preparing all the time. It was her love language. And she'd go, just once, just once, I'd love to have a meal handed to me. Just once, I'd love to have a meal handed to me. Well, on many an occasion, especially when I bring her over to the States here with dad and they come for sometimes six months, even a year at a time on occasion. We many times try to have a meal handed to her. Ouch, what's that? Oh, that's not good. I don't, that kid, is that cooked? She hated having a meal handed to her. (laughs) She hated every part of it. And we take her to some of the best restaurants in San Diego. It didn't matter. She hated having a meal handed to her. Why? Because she wasn't actually open to receiving She was very comfortable in the role of giving. And so there are reasons why we're not open to receive. And and I have this, by the way, with people in business, in the sales world. I have people who work our system uh, and they're going, well, I don't have a lot of inventory right now. Why? Well, I kind of do it my way. Well, we have a system that helps people 10X their business. But what gets in the way? 
They're not open to receive referrals. They don't make themselves available. They, they're afraid of being perceived as a pushy salesperson. So they withhold and withhold. And it all sounds gracious. Like, I don't want to be a pushy salesperson. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Sounds great. What's actually going on? They're actually drinking from the failure cocktail. It's pride. The reason people aren't open to receive help is pride. Nobody can do it like me. Therese Buffini, no one can cook like me. Now I'm going to say this. My mother was a great showman when it came to cooking, but it turned out when I left home, I found out she might not have been the greatest cook in the history of the world. Nobody can do it like me. People do this all the time. There's a great proverb that says, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. One of the reasons we don't get help or ask for help is that pride. The second thing is ignorance. I know all I need to know. I can't tell you the amount of people who've told me this. They might be 30 years old at the time. I know all I need to know. Thomas Sowell, one of my favorite authors, says, it takes considerable knowledge to realize the extent of your own ignorance. That's true. I used to say a phrase, I know what I don't know, which was, hey, here's the areas where my blind spots are, and this is what I'm going to work on. And now as I got a little older and a little more perspective, got humbled a bunch more times, it's, I don't know what I don't know. I have no idea what I don't know. I don't know how much there is more to learn. In fact, right here on the display behind me, I have this little sign, and it's from Michelangelo. And it says, Ancaro imparo, I am still learning. That's what that phrase means. I am still learning. He was learning until the day he died, considered one of the five greatest artists in the history of mankind. Sculptor, artist, painter, brilliant. I'm still learning. Still learning about his craft. Many, 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 many decades in doing his craft. I'm still learning. Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, said, once a person stops searching for information and self-knowledge, ignorance sets in. So we have to say, okay, we've got to keep learning. And in the world we live in today with clickbait, people take these hard and fast positions on things and like as if they know everything. And what we're missing is context of everything. So I'm excited. I'm excited what I have to learn. I've been doing podcasting for six years. And I told the guys here the other day, I feel like we just kind of dipped our toe in the water. I have so much to learn about this medium. I have so much to learn about reaching people. I have so much to learn about this process. And then the last part that stops the ability to receive help is the I do it myself thinking, the Darth Vader thinking. And it it avoids accountability, which means there's no pressure there. And it also, uh, it's a commitment to stay right where you are. And just so you know, when you make a commitment to stay right where you are, the world changes around you. So you don't stay right where you are. So Sabrina Newby said this, true humility has been able to accept criticisms as graciously as we accept compliments. And so we have to embrace the dynamic that pride, ignorance, and I'll do it myself are the enemy of the success cocktail, right? We need to embrace humility, curiosity, and be willing to receive help. I can tell you this. I talk about the five circles, spiritual, family, business, financial, personal. I have people helping me in all five circles. Now, I have thousands of people who come listen to me and they come to our events or like our mastermind event. If you've never seen us in person, you should come. And it's a bunch of people who are all trying to grow and change. And I believe a bunch of people who want to embrace the success formula. They have the humility to come in the first place, the curiosity to learn, and they realize, I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to get the help I need to go and achieve what I need to achieve. And so I think if you focus on these ingredients for the success cocktail, maybe one day with your family, you'll be in your family and friends, you can be at Brown's restaurant yourself, overlooking the ocean, sipping an actual Mai Tai and watching the turtles taking a nap on the beach. Because that's a good life to me. Family, friends, in a beautiful environment where the work pays off and you get to have the experience. 
So there you go. I hope that's helpful for you. You didn't realize I was going to talk to you about booze all day. Some uh, drinks are better than others. That's a success cocktail. I hope you drink deeply from it. I hope you can grow in humility as I'm working on it myself. I hope you can be more curious. And I hope you uh, reach out and get the help you need for all the different struggles you have to go and conquer those. And uh, I'll go hand it over to herself. She never did get a meal handed to her, but she sure knows how to do an Irish blessing. And I let her leave us off here today. So over to you, Therese Buffini, to finish us off. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. (laughs) 